0: All right, we're going to read in Acts chapter 2. Here he says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look, aren't all those who are, these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in, Ju- in Judea and in Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But some sneered and said, Ah, they're drunk on new wine. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and proclaimed to them, Fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be known to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all people. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke and a cloud, and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth, was the man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says to him, says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have received the paths of life, revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn an oath to him to seat one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke concerning the resurrection of the Messiah. He was not abandoned in Hades, and his flesh did not experience decay. God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord, our God will call with many other words. He testified and strongly urged them saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized. And that day about 3000 people were added to them and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Father, we pray this morning that you would open up your word to us. God, that you would have your hand on the technology, that you would have your hand on our, on our bodies, on our minds, on our ears, on our hearts. Lord, that your spirit would come near to open up our spirits and our minds and our hearts to accept and to hear what you would have to hear from you, Lord Jesus. Let us have ears to hear and eyes to perceive what you would have for us this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. Empower us through your Holy Spirit. Lavish your love upon us, Lord, through your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. You guys ever heard the, uh, you know, you're going to see a movie, and all the lights fade down, and you got the previews, and you hear those two words, one man against all odds. One man against the computer and all the technology. And, right? This is a great American way of doing things, right? Like one person in the face of all odds against all these uh, opponents in things. Accomplishing something great, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, right. getting it done, right? One man's sacrifice, one man's gifting. There was a, a time when, I, when, I, when we first moved here that summer of 2018 where we went backpacking. And it was an awesome, awesome uh, trip. It was, it was really, really fun. But one of the things that struck me was that the very first like, few hundred feet, <laughs> like, we started going up and I was like, oh no, I'm not going to make it. But they put me in the middle of the pack. It's always where you put the newbies, right in the middle of the pack. Not in the beginning, not in the front, not at the back, right in the middle. right. And, you, and I was surrounded <laughs> by people who were more athletic and, and more driven than I. And it was crazy because it was my very first backpacking trip I had ever been on and we made it six, seven miles up like 2,200 feet elevation to the top of the crazies to Blue Lake. And it was amazing. I got there. I was like, I cannot believe I just did that. Cause if it was up to me, those first, like that first quarter mile, I would, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm, I'm turning back. I'm just going to camp there next to the, at the campground right next to the truck. But no, I was with a group. Accomplished it because I was in the middle of the group. There's, there's different movies all about this concept, right? There's a movie called The Rescue where all these you know, guys' dads are captured in North Korea. And all their kids like, team up together and they're like, we're going to go and rescue them. And they go and they sneak behind enemy lines and free them. You've got TV shows like what? The A-Team, then their name, a team. They're the A-team, Mr. T. Right. You know, even like the dynamic duos, like Chippendale Chip Rescue Rangers. chippendales Rescue Rangers. Yeah, anyone here? You feel me? I remember. Yeah, Gen Xers. Yeah, Gen Xers. All right. G.I. Joe. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right? It's The crew, right? Which my parents never let me watch because it was too violent. Um, <laughs> I had to sneak off to play the video game at Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) But it's all about the teams. Accomplishing things as a team. At least as a dynamic duo. You get all these different pictures of this. Because here's the thing. This is something intrinsic to us as humans that God placed in us and designed us with. Is that we can go farther. We can accomplish greater things with others. Greater things than we could ever imagine to do alone. You cannot do what you can do with a team. What you can do, what you cannot do alone. What you can do with a team. Look at the illustration, right in our in our book. To, you, know, you know, how much a, a, a horse can carry. You know, a specific. You know, average horse can can pull about eight thousand pounds. Right. You get two horses together. How much can they weigh? Sixty? Nope. 24,000 pounds. They can pull three times what you'd think together. There are so many areas in our lives. As we're walking through our lives, imagine these just in areas in your life where you're growing, where you're being transformed, where God is, is using in your life God is, is is partnering with you. God is is blessing you. God is leading you through certain areas of growth in your life. And God wants to do that together in a, as a community. Because I, I, like I say, your transformation is not for you alone. What God wants to do in your life is for the community. It is with The church. Because my point here this morning is that this, so the thing we've been talking about this whole time, this whole month, the this, what is this? As they ask the question, what does this mean? Or what is this? Is this the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit? Is the radical love of the kingdom of God poured out and put on display? This is what we're witnessing. This is what Peter's whole point is. Is that you're witnessing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of Scripture. And like last week, we talked about what does this do? Well, it calls you to change your mind, to align yourself with God, be in symphony with God, agree with God, agree with the Lord, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the Forgiveness of your sins, and, the re- and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then, once you do that, once you repent, change your mind, and be baptized, and be baptized by the Holy Spirit, as this is the fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit one day, right? And, and the one day has come. What will happen? What will it look like? What will be the results? This, the radical love of the kingdom of God, poured out and put on display. It's all about love. That's what this whole, I want to focus in on this last section, 40 through, 42 through 47. And this is where we're going to spend our time, or the majority of our time here this morning. And so they devoted themselves So let's talk about that. They devoted themselves. These are known, so these four things that we're going to spell out here in verse 42 are are known as the four marks of the church. These have been a staple since day one. The early church fathers referred back to these all throughout the rest of the scriptures, all throughout the rest of the Bible. They devoted themselves. This defined, these four things defined why they existed. Who they were as the church, what they did, and how they did it. This is very attuned to our vision, right? Our, our plan, the the frame. If you remember the frame, it exists. You know, shows why we exist, our mandate, our who you know, who we are, is the, the where we exist, what we do, which is our measurables, and what and how we do it. Those are our values, right? This is what those things are. This was an extension of what the disciples had been doing with Jesus for three years. They expanded that expression to share it with others because the disciples have been doing this every day. They've been hanging out with Jesus, breaking bread, listening to Jesus' teachings, right? And, you know, fellowshipping together as they walked everywhere and they hung out together. They slept in the same house. They were sharing life together. And as they were praying together, especially these last, you know, 10 days before the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, they were together in the upper room and they were what? They were praying or were waiting on the Lord. And they continued to do that after they received the Holy Spirit. They continued the practice that Jesus himself Taught them, listening to the apostles' teaching, fellowshipping together, having common. We'll, we'll talk about those here in just a second. So these are. Let's talk, let's talk about each one of those things as we're as we're naming them. So the first one is who. So uh, the apostles' teaching. This is teaching the Christian faith. This is teaching who Jesus was. You know, God Himself, according to the scriptures. How Jesus was and is our Messiah, the Savior that, they, you know, that they've been waiting for, that we have been waiting for all of our lives. Who we are in relationship with him. And, here, and here, here's a two, two different you know, kind of nerdy words. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy. More. Say those five times. Orthodoxy and orthopraxy. So orthodoxy means the right study, the right teaching, the right knowledge and understanding, right? About God. This would be theology. So theo meaning God and ology meaning the study of. So our study of or understanding of God is our theology. All of us have a theology. Every single one of us have a theology, right? Now that's what orthodoxy is. Now orthopraxy is what would be called ideology. It's how you live that out, this would be like my, my, juxtap- my comparison of morals, what you believe, your core identity of who you are and your ethics, how you practice them. How you live out and accomplish your core identity. What are the core identities? That, that's what they were teaching. They were teaching the core identities and their core ethics of the Christian faith. Who are we? What do we believe? Who is Jesus now? Who is Holy Spirit? And here's how we now live that out. Here's the expression. So that's what this, this whole passage of Scripture is really all about. This is becoming where the, where the rubber meets the road. This is where they're expressing their faith together. So they're having common fellowship. They're having fellowship or common life, or as we would call it, sharing life together. They're making the time to place themselves in physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual presence with one another. Strategically place themselves. Not randomly, not hoping it might happen, not hoping someone will call or text. They are strategically placing themselves into positions to be with one another. You would be so surprised how many people I talk to that they are befuddled when they ever get invited over to someone's home to share a dinner, to share a meal. And how rare that really is. Because everyone might be waiting for others to give the invitation versus setting the initiative before you. Like taking the initiative and praying, Lord, who do you want me to have over? And then, all right, I'm going to call them, I'm going to text them, I'm going to talk to them, come on over. Let's share a meal together. This is creating, as we call it in, in here at Shift Church, relational opportunities. Showing up, being present for one another. This is why we talk about the one another's of the Bible. Like I said, how many of them are there? Over what? Over a hundred times in the New Testament alone, it says one Another. This is the, one, the concept of one another is a New Testament, New Covenant theology and ideology. It is both something that we understand biblically and theologically because of passages specifically like this that really spell it out. And it's our ideology. It's our ethic. It's how we live out our lives. It's not just something that we think or believe. It's something that we practice. It's something that we do showing up, being present. Three, they broke bread together. This is, you know, from house to house, they broke bread together. They shared meals, meals, yes, like like we're talking about inviting people over or getting together for meals, but the term breaking bread for the early church also meant it wasn't just a meal that they partook together, But this is partaking of a specific kind of meal, a communion meal, a a meal that was shared with one another for this expressed purpose of remembering Christ, remembering Jesus, inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit to commune with them as a group, as a ecclesia They're memorializing Jesus, right? Even as our communion table even says, in remembrance of me. That whole concept is memorialize me. That that term in the Greek is actually make a memorial. And what do you do at memorials? You talk about the person. You eulogize the person. So you basically eulogize me. Remember me. Memorialize me. Talk about me. Talk about my life, talk about my teachings, talk about my presence. Memorialize me. That's what breaking bread together is in the church. And finally, number four, prayer. This in and of itself is a plural. Like In the, in the actual language, it says prayer, and sometimes it'll even translate prayers as a plural. But what we're looking at, it's, it's kind of like saying elk or deer. The, the plural of elk and deer is not elks and it's not deers. Unless you're talking about little children. Oh, the little, de- the little deers. Right, This is plural to prayer. Ongoing, always, never ceasing, continually. Not talking about like, you know, there's like this prayer book and there's a bunch of prayers, but like to constantly being in a state of prayer. Constantly being in the presence of... God constantly and consistently communing with God, being in, a pres- in His presence. This is an expression of full reliance on the Lord. When we're not praying, we're not relying. When we're not praying, we think we've got it all together. We think that we have control of our lives. When we pray, we're showing and telling God by its very action that we are relying on the Lord. We are in desperate need of His presence. I want to focus in on that word, devoted. Devoted themselves. This is that agape. <clears throat> that steadfast devotion that I choose to love, not because you're lovable, but because I have chosen to Love. This is a long-suffering and ever-enduring, steadfast faithfulness. This is why in the Psalms, it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. This is the chesed kind of love in the Old Testament. This never-ending, always, always enduring, constant and consistent, steadfast, faithful love of Yahweh. And this is the love that he's pouring out radically into his church because the church is his expression on earth. We are his presence on earth. There's no more temple buildings and things like that that are holy. We are holy. We are his presence. We are the manifest love of Yahweh, of Jesus Christ himself in this world. Not just of the person, but of the character. We are the, the expression of God's morals and ethics. His theology and his ideology. We are expressions of the orthodoxy and orthopraxy of our faith. To where it's like, if you ask anyone, do you know where Jesus is? They can look and say, there. Amen. That's where Jesus is in that people. They shaped their lives around these things. They did not allow anything to take precedence over this. And they led their families into it. They displayed that with their families, with their friends, with the culture around them. N.T. Wright said, Where there is no attention given to teaching and to constant lifelong Christian learning, people revert to the worldview world or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up with their minds shaped by whichever social pressures are more persuasive, with Jesus eh, somewhere around as a pale influence or memory. However, If, where people ignore the common life or fellowship of the Christian family, the technical word often used fellowship, which means more than friendship but not less, they become isolated and often find it difficult to sustain a living faith. Three, where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread, the early tr- Christian term for the sim- simple meal that took them back to the upper room in remembrance of Jesus, they are fa- failing to raise the flag which says Jesus' death and resurrection are the center of everything. And four, and whenever people do all these things but neglect prayer, they are quite simply forgetting that Christians are supposed to be heaven, on, and, heaven and earth people. Prayer makes sense, no sense whatsoever unless heaven and earth are designed to be joined together and we can share in that already. That's why, here's, that, here's an, this uh, blank there. Radical presence leads to radical love without the radical presence of the Holy Spirit of Yahweh in us, upon us, through us, among us, we cannot experience the radical agape chesed love of Yahweh. But because we have the incredible, beautiful, powerful, mighty strength and presence of God's Holy Spirit in us, through us, among us, we can experience his radical hested, agape love among this fellowship, table fellowship, fellowship, common life together. The only way That they were able to do this was through the power of the Holy Spirit. All the things in this passage, everyone being filled with awe and many wonders and signs being performed through the apostles and having all things in common, selling their possessions and property. Now, this is not just a, you know, a parting with a physical or financial asset. This land was part of their ancestry. Like not just your grandfather had it. Your great, 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 -great 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 grandpappy had it. And it's been in the family for generations because it was your inheritance. Back when Moses entered into, when Joshua entered into the promised land, back when Moses brought your descendants out of Israel and brought you to the promised land. That's been your family's plot of land. For over a thousand years that's what they were doing they were saying we no longer are associating our lives to land but to the living Holy Spirit to the living presence of God and I will go wherever you call me to go this was God's promised inheritance they were giving it up but they could do none of this without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. They were able to do all these things, the signs and wonders, holding all things in common, selling possessions and property. All these things they did because of the radical presence of Yahweh. But here's the thing, something powerful and joyful happens when we stop clinging to everything, we can get our hands on and start sharing what we already have. Giving it away. Celebrating and embodying God's generosity by being generous ourselves. This generosity is one of the things that drew people to the early church. Their radical generosity. Their, their what is it, that, the hilarious, as it's been said, the hilarious giving was something that people outside were like, what is that? But wow, that's awesome. There's so many things that were attractive to the outside world because of the, like we said a couple weeks ago, the flourishing that was going on in the body of Christ. No one had a physical need. Everyone was supported. People had a strength of people surrounding them to when they needed to collapse emotionally into their arms. When life got too hard, like it does, does life ever get hard? Life ever get confusing? Frustrating? You just want to quit your job and go live in a cabin in the mountains? (laughs) You're sick of watching the, the media. You're sick of your... You're, you're just stressful job where you can never see your friends. You can never see your family. Like you just feel like you're just like working, eating, sleeping. It's so frustrating. And it's like, ah, what do I do? God has placed the people around you to say, we are here with you. We are here to hold you up. We are here to be a source to free to vent to. Sometimes all you need to do is talk. Be a presence in people in each other's lives, right? To give that generosity, not just of your finances and your, and your property and your possessions, but being generous with your time. Giving your time to one another. This generosity and love leads to, what is it? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. What does it say, right? Every day they devoted themselves to these things, to, the temp- to being gathering in the temple and breaking bread at house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying fa- the favor of all the people. This is what it leads to. And, fi- and our final one there is, love in action gives praise to God, gives joy for ourselves, and it 's attra- tr- attraction for others, because what is number what is the number one, co- what is the number one co- criticism of the church? Christians are too judging judging Mcjudger face right judging Mcjudgerson, or they 're hypocrites they're, you know, We send mixed and confusing illogical standards that christians don 't even live up to, or the' judging Mcjudgerson in that we use all these this hypocrisy but we are judging others to say i don't feel good enough for god therefore you're not good enough for god you can't come here because you're fill in the blank versus we all need jesus all of us every single one of us needs jesus And the only way that we can change, our lives can grow and get better, and our behavior and our our morals and our ethics can change, is by the radical presence of the radical love of God in our hearts. We demonize no one. And we invite all to have a transformative relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter what their, their glitch is no matter what their struggle is, no matter what their stinking thinking is, no matter what their sin is, no matter what is going on, we welcome. We, when people see the church living this radical love, they know that God is present. They know that God's there. When people see us living in joy and love, listen to this, you guys. When God, when people around us see you living in Joy and love. And not in a, oh, I can't believe they did this again. Everyone, have you been around those people? They just cannot stop talking about all the crap through the perspective of crap. Versus how can you exude joy Coworkers, oh my gosh! I have been in so many jobs where it's like everyone around me is like, "Oh, I hate life. Oh, this job. I'm going to do as little work as I can to, and just get, get by." And like when I try to have a good work ethic, they're like, "Stop working so hard." Right? Making us look bad, right? Or the drama in our lives. I can't believe he's doing us. I can't believe that she said this. I can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> You cannot overcome evil with more evil. Overcome evil with good. Joy. Love. Generosity. They want... When people see us living this way, they want, to be, they want that. The greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Amen. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. D.C. Tuck, right there. That's right. I said that phrase like four times this week. So it's crazy like how God's going to keep bringing it up. But the greatest cause of acceptance and Curiosity are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and acknowledge acknowledge him and support their beliefs by their lifestyle, who practice what I preach. (laughs) And when I practice what I preach, when we do what God preaches, what God says, what God lifts up is do this, live this way. When people see that, they want to be a part of that. I go to the places where Yelp has good reviews because people are enjoying what they're experiencing. I don't go to like, places with two-star reviews. Okay, maybe the all-you-can-eat Asian buffet because those are just great no matter what. But, but people, for some reason, like to down, downgrade them. But, but you want to go to places where people's lives are being changed. Why would God ever add people to a church where there's no warmth or joy or love? And we experience that. And this is the thing. Y'all, we experience that here. Yeah. That's why I love coming to church on Sunday mornings. I love coming together with you guys. I love any chance I get to be with you guys. Because y'all are awesome. God is at work here. People's lives are being changed. People's hope is being Restored. My family is loved and loved well. Thank you. And I hope that we are doing the same with you. And if we're not, please let me know. (laughs) We're not going to be perfect at it, right? Relationships are what? Messy. Humans are messy. Life is messy. Houses are messy. Worlds are messy. Cars are messy. Especially if you have children. Children. Grace, forgiveness, mercy, patience, steadfast devotion to love. This is what the fruit of the what spirit is all about. I love it. You know, there's and many scholars today um, are believing this, that the, the, the fruit of the spirit is actually just love. And all the eight rest of them describe that Love. Fruit of the Spirit is love. And what does love, agape, chesed, love, look like? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what agape looks like. That's what the radical presence of the radical love of God looks like. Where there's joy, there's where God is. Where there's peace, shalom, that's where God is. Where there is what? What? patience that's where god is all the rest that is where god is and this is what it looks like in the church turn with me if you will to ephesians chapter 4 this is kind of a magna carta this is like the definition the thesis this is the expression of what the church is like Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, going to the end of the chapter. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith. And then, in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness, then we will no longer be little children making messes and being tossed by the, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into Him who is the Head, Christ. From him, the whole body, fitted and knitted together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in agape, chesed, love by the proper working of each individual part. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should not no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thoughts, they are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with the desire for more and more and more and more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, all the stinking thinking, right? The old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Renewed by your minds. And to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one of you to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You are sealed by him for the, for the day of redemption Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. That is the life that we are giving. That is the life that God has called us to do. That is what it is. This the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit is the radical love of the kingdom of God poured out and put on display. Be there for one another. Good, bad, joyful, difficult, sin, sin issues or growth, redemption, exciting times and the boring mundane times. Maybe you just get together and just sit there and maybe not even say a word. Just be there for one another. Sometimes the best thing you can do is sit down and shut up. Sharing life together, sharing our experiences. Well, I want to close with this, this illustration of this guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a theologian pastor during the time of World War II. Actually, the time leading up to World War II. And he was just a pastor, and and speaking, he was very, very anti-Nazi regime. And he was preaching against it. He was preaching against the Aryan contract that the Nazi government was forcing all of the pastors and priests to sign that said, we will not allow anyone of any other descent besides, besides Aryan descent into our churches. So basically, devoting themselves to excluding everyone. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was very vocal against it. He and he was on the radio one time, and they literally cut the lines in the middle of of the broadcast. The SS. And then he so then he was also cut off. Now, if you know Socialist Germany back in those Nazi Germany back in those days when they were before the war, everything was was provided by the government. It was the way that they kind of tried to heal the country. Everything they got only like maybe a fraction of their of their pay. Everything went to the government they provided you food, they provided you transportation, gas, they provided you with uh, water, with everything that you needed basically from the government. But when he, was, oh, when he rose up against the government, they completely cut him off. He couldn't get, couldn't get gas or fuel or, or transportation, he couldn't get food from the government, he couldn't get water, couldn't get property or a house to live in. And so there was a lady who had a larger estate and she hosted him on her property. And he actually started a theological school, a seminary. And a lot of these other people who were outlaws came and they lived life together in this one big building. And they shared life together. They read the scriptures together. They studied. They, they went deep in the scriptures. There's a whole lot more to the story. It's amazing. And he ended up dying at, the, at being, being executed because of his part in being anti-Third Reich. He actually took, place in, took part in, a, in an operation as a pacifist. He was like super you know, anti-war, anti-murder government. He actually came and he was a part of the Operation Valkyrie to try to kill Hitler. And that's what got him executed. Like a few days after, you know, before the end of the war. He almost made it. But he wrote this book together, just called Life Together. This book is called Life Together and just describes the community that they experienced. The flourishing community. They had gardens together. They they've lived together. They blessed one another. They served one another. They worked through things together. In the midst of religious and socioeconomic and political persecution, they manifested Christ together. Where the church finds itself stagnant today and unattractive humdrum and shrinking and sadly there are many churches in the western world at least of which that has to be admitted it's time to read acts chapter 2 42 through 47 again get down on our knees and ask what isn't happening that should be happening as nt Ray says The gospel hasn't changed. God's power has not been diminished. People still need rescuing. People still need one another. God's spirit still lives in his church. What are we going to do about it? Will this be a place that God's Holy Spirit is welcome to heal and restore, to manifest His presence, to bring fellowship and bring love? Is this a place that, we, that is welcome for the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the common life and the breaking of bread and prayer? People's lives need transforming. What are we going to do about it? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence, your radical presence, Lord, that brings your radical love among us, Lord. God, I pray here this morning that you would teach us, that you would show us the goodness of the church, of your design for your presence on this earth, and the intentionality that you desire for us and from us, Teach us more and more what it means to love. Teach us more and more what it means to be generous. To love one another. Because by doing so, Lord, we are joyful and we give praise and glory to your name. And that's all we want, Lord Jesus. We want to glorify you. We want to enjoy you forever. And that is greater than anything this world has to offer. Lord, bless us and send us from this place in great joy with the love of God. In Jesus' Let we pray all these things. Amen.